With one major court conviction already brought against an influential Fiji opposition MP and several more cases before the courts, the question for the upcoming Fiji elections is becoming not who is contesting, but who isn't. Election campaigning is well underway in the country, but the writs for the election have yet to be issued. Joining me is RNZ Pacific's Fiji correspondent, Lide Muvono. Welcome back on Pacific Waves. Tell us what's been happening in this pre-election space. Corey, we're well into the campaign period now. There's no holds barred. Uh, we're seeing much of what to, uh, should be expected during a campaign period where uh, people on opposing ends of the political divide you know, take a go at each other. Uh, but at the same time, we are seeing a lot about who the players will be. And also it's important to note who the players will not be at this election. So uh, in the past week or so, you, uh, we would have heard of um, the, the conviction of uh, Nikonowe Kula, who is, of course, one of the biggest names in opposition politics in Fiji and was definitely a leader in the, the, op- the main opposition party, Sadelpa. So he's now out of the running and following behind him in terms of being prosecuted for alleged uh, fraud against the parliament office are several other leading members of the opposition party, Sadelpa. And these are not just, you know, uh, people who make up the numbers. These are people who would have brought some of the really uh, important votes um, into the Sadelpa party. And the reason being that uh, one of them is the, the paramount chief of a very important province, Namosi. Namosi is well known in Fiji um, uh, for being home to important mining exploration projects. Uh, it is a mountainous um, uh, province and also home to a lot of fertile land. And so he is a very important figure. He has been in Fijian politics for decades. So if um, Nikonowe Kula, who is a accomplished Fijian lawyer, if his conviction is anything to go by, we can pretty much expect a lot of the Sadelpa MPs to go the same way. So that will make a huge difference in Sadelpa's push um, to be in government uh, after our 2022 elections. So we know these are the people who may not be in. So that means a lot of the faces coming into the elections this year is new. The the People's uh, Alliance, is coming strong as a force to be reckoned with. Uh, their, their first two uh, announcements of um, uh, provisional candidates have been quite formidable. They have had all of the right uh, messages. They've ticked all of the right boxes in terms of diversity, not just in age and in race, but also in terms of what these people bring to the party. So uh, something that the ruling Fiji First Party has always been able to accuse uh, Sadelpa off is, is, is having a policies that are not friendly to the other ethnic groups in Fiji. And that is not a criticism that can be leveled at the People's Alliance who are coming along very strong to be a party that uh, will look after all of the ethnic uh, uh, um, uh, groups in Fiji as well as the ages. So right now we're seeing the People's Alliance uh, actively 
campaign and actively fundraising. Um, as you know, this government's instituted some new electoral reforms that make it very, very hard for anyone coming into Fijian politics to gain the kind of popularity that used to be very easy to get in the previous two, three, or maybe even four elections. Uh, fundraising being one of those um, areas that's been impacted by these reforms. So it's not easy to raise funds in this country. Uh, the People's Alliance seemed to be uh, checking all of those challenges off the list, having done a very successful uh, fundraising in, um, in Australia over the weekend, uh, raising quite a large sum of money. We don't know how much exactly, but um, just the optics around that particular fundraising uh, proves that they seem to be pulling a lot of what used to be uh, Sudalpa's main power base. Um, the fact that the People's Alliance are now public about their coalition or their intention to be in coalition with the National Federation Party means that they have a lot stronger ground going into these elections. The National Federation Party, of course, though they've only had three members in parliament in these last uh, elections, they are quite a favorite amongst the Fijian urbanites and the Fijian youth, who, of course, according to our last census, make up the largest voting block. So um, the NFPs or, or the Federates, as they like to uh, call themselves, uh, they come across as being a party that is for, for liberal politics, for liberal policies, and uh, for the working class middle ground of Fiji, which uh, according to the last census, you will know is now uh, the growing power base and the growing majority of Fiji. So the People's Alliance looks to be very strong. They look to have picked up where Sodelpa has slackened off and maybe also are working very hard to gain ground that the Fiji First Party might have lost and would have lost uh, over the past two to three years in their handling of uh, very many of our national crises as well as, of course, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, and Nakali, um, the end, like with Fiji First, I remember the, a few days I was there uh, ahead of the election last time. They seemed to be quite assured sort of they're almost 100% sure that they would win and they thought that they'd be winning by a huge margin that didn't happen it was really close have they changed their messaging this time around coming into this election or are they still that you know let's keep on going with the good work that we're doing kind of um, uh, script no, correct. The Fiji First Party is most definitely struggling uh, to hold on to uh, what used to be their power base. Uh, the Fiji First Party attracted a lot of their votes from the Western Division of Fiji, uh, which, of course, is also where uh, a lot of the impact of um, the pandemic as well as crisis before that uh, uh, was, was uh, based around. So they would have lost a lot of the votes from that area. Uh, and we know this from the fact that new parties have been registered and approved to compete in these elections from that particular power base. So we know that they've lost ground there. We know also because the national discourse is now almost very openly heavy uh, anti-government, something that has not been seen in this country over the past 16 years. People have not felt very free uh, to speak out in dissent or, 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 or against the government. Now that is becoming uh, quite frequent an occurrence. Uh, people are feeling a 
a lot more comfortable because there's a lot more people who are dissatisfied with the government and who are not afraid to say so. Uh, of course, we still have a lot of laws um, that can criminalize uh, any kind of dissent, so people still have some level of caution. Uh, we know from the last elections that Fiji First might have miscalculated you know, where their power block is, uh, but uh, they did come into the 2014 elections, two elections ago, very strong and very popular in the urbanites and in the youth uh, population. But now a lot of those people who would have been their voters in the 2014 uh, elections are professionals who are struggling with the increasingly high cost of living in this country. Uh, People who would have lost their jobs and and felt the impact of not having government protection uh, mechanisms in place, uh, you know, government uh, financial support because as you know, during the pandemic and in the previous um, two or three huge cyclones that we've had since the 2014 elections, a lot of what's kept Fijians afloat have been their own money, uh, their own superannuation. So there's a lot more dissent now. There's a lot more bread and butter issues that people are paying more attention to. Uh, in the media, we're noticing uh, that, that the populace are a lot more discerning. They're a lot more interested and a lot more analytical about what they're seeing. Uh, But having said that, um, the Fiji First government is in power and they do have access uh, to a lot of government resources. And so the campaigning continues. We're not seeing very much government activity, but we're seeing very much uh, of the government uh, public relations mechanism at work. Yeah, definitely. And and it's like, it's important also, isn't it, to remember that the the corporate support structure for Fiji First is massive as well. Like these, these opposition parties are coming up against a giant, not just politically, but also in terms of the economy and all of those ties into the contracts, the companies, all of that. Um, I, this was something that just came up today, uh, coincidentally, Koroi, in, in an interview that a few Pacific female journalists had with the Minister for Women in the Fiji First Party, Rosie Akbar, where we specifically asked her uh, if the Fijian political scene was safe for women who wanted to be in national leadership and whether there were mechanisms in place and whether or not her government had worked to alleviate some of those challenges that stand in the way of uh, Fijian, young Fijian and women getting into national politics. Because as you know, in, in the past two elections, the women's representation in national leadership has moved very slowly between 16% and 19% of 52 seats in parliament. And so uh, what she said was very telling. Uh, she said that it was very difficult, even for her, even though she was a headhunted candidate in the 2014 um, general elections for the Fiji First Party. And she's one of the more popular of the Fiji First candidates. But she said something that, that stuck with me. And that is, it is very challenging for women. I don't know how they will address that challenge or how they could address that challenge. But I do know that the onus is on the party to find that money. So she's uh, very in tune with how difficult it is for everyone else outside of her own ruling party to get the money. You know, they're aware of the restrictions that have been put in place by the, this administration, but also with the with restrictions that come in place because it's just expensive. You know, Fiji is, is not one of the cheaper countries to live in in, 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 in the Pacific. So um, it's most definitely something that even ruling Fiji First MPs are quite aware of, the privilege that they have because they're the ruling party. Now, uh, turning to some of the the nuts and bolts of the election process, the campaigning period has started, but writs haven't 
been issued? Is, is that where we stand? Like, no, there's no nomination period yet? That's right. The writs for election have not been issued. Uh, my sources tell me that we can expect for it to be issued very, very soon. I had been told at the beginning of the year to look at a May-June period for when the writs would be issued uh, or, or as far as uh, July-August, which means to me that we're looking at uh, uh, dates, we're looking at the, going to the polls no later than November, if they're issued around, you know, around those two periods. And and so the campaign period uh, began two months ago now, if I'm not mistaken. And so we're seeing all of the political parties, or at least the ones with the money and the, the resources they can mobilize. Uh, we're seeing them going out now campaigning, opening campaign offices in campaign branches all over um, the urban part of Fiji. All of this will stop 48 hours before uh, we go to the polls. Our, our laws uh, prohibit any kind of campaigning um, uh, in the 48 hours just before we go to cast our ballots. So that's the blackout period and they're very very strict uh to the point where some media organizations don't even write any stories at all uh, about the elections because the definition of what can earn you a bridge uh is is very wide right 